The following message is presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Now the message. Well, if you're excited to hear the word of the Lord this morning, say amen. And I'm, we're going to read a little more than usual, okay? I apologize for that, but I think it's imperative um, that we give the proper attention and context uh, for the, the message this morning. And I know you just sat down, but I'm going to ask if you would stand out of recognition uh, for the reading of his infallible inerrant words, serving as the final authority on all matters of faith and practice. So I'm going to ask you to join me in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 11, and we're going to read right out of chapter Years later, after Moses had grown up, he went out to his own people and observed their forced labor. He saw an Egyptian striking a Hebrew, one of his people. Looking all around and seeing no one, he struck the Egyptian dead and hit him in the sand. Well, the next day, he went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting and he asked one in the wrong, Why are you attacking your neighbor? Your brother is your countryman. Who made you commander and judge over us? The man replied. Are you planning to kill me as you killed the Egyptians? Uh, Then Moses became afraid and thought, Oh, what I've done is certainly known. Well, Pharaoh heard about this. And he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in the land of Midian. He sat down by a well there. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. Anytime they mention seven daughters, you know it's about to get interesting, right? They came to draw water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. Then some shepherds arrived and drove them away. But Moses came to their rescue and watered their flocks. When they returned to their father, well, he asked, Why have you come back so quickly today? And they answered, Well, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. So where is he? He asked his daughters. Why then did you leave the man behind? Invite him to come over and eat dinner with us. Moses agreed to stay with the man, and he gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. She gave birth to a son whom he named Gershom, for he said, I have been a resident alien in a foreign land. After a long time, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned because of their difficult labor. They cried out, and their cry for help because of their difficult labor ascended to God. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. And God saw the Israelites, and God knew. Meanwhile, Moses was shepherding the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw the bush was on fire but was not consumed. So Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't this bush burning up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he answered. Do not come closer, he said, and remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed my misery of the people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their oppressors. I know about their suffering and I've come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from a land to a, to a good land 
spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of the Canaanites, Hethites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. So because the Israelites' cry for help has come to me, and I have also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, therefore go, I am sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Lord, we love you and we thank you for the truth, the power of your word. And I pray this morning that it's truth, that it's beauty comes off of the pages into the understanding of our hearts and the application of our lives. Anytime your word is preached, presented, studied, It demands a response so that we would never be the same. So Lord, you allow the Holy Spirit, empower the Holy Spirit. May we put ourselves under your authority, under the power of your word, and may we respond in a level of righteousness. And Lord, we know you will favor, bless, protect, and preserve. Lord, have your way. Amen. You be seated, friend. Number one, this morning as we get started, I want you to see the divine calling, and we're just going to kind of summarize the story from here. So if we go back to the beginning of Exodus, we know the nation of Israel is in bondage, remember? And so they had gone there when Joseph had went, right? There was a famine. The Israelites had moved to Egypt because Egypt had food. Well, over the years, the Israelites had multiplied. The Israelites are God's favorite chosen people. And so they were multiplying like crazy. The Egyptians saw this. They tried to stifle their growth. They tried to stifle God's favor upon the Israelites. And we looked at when you have God's favor, there's nothing that's going to deter his blessing and his protection for you. And so we go a little bit farther and, and we often pray in our lives, Lord, I need this. So I'm in a situation, would you hear? And, and we talked about how the Israelites had prayed for over 430 years reminding us that God is never taking a break. He is always hearing the cries of His people. But time, remember, God doesn't operate on our timeline. And then we read about Moses last week and and how he was born. came into play. And so Moses, here in between, would have been sent into the courts of Egypt to get his education, to get his preparation. For God's call. Now what we see first is Moses knew in his heart what his calling was. He knew he had been sent. He had been designed for a purpose. Now, I want you to catch this. There's much more here than what we often gleam. Every one of us are created for a purpose. Every one of us are created to respond to the power, to the authority, to the Savior Jesus Christ. And so every one of us recognize that there is a God. If you believe there's a God, raise your hand and say amen. All right, so we're created in the image of God. Every culture that has ever existed recognizes that there's a higher power. So we know there's a God, and we find ourselves in a place of not knowing how to connect to Him. So Moses knew he was an Israelite, but he was raised in the courts of Egypt, in the palace of Egypt. And so he saw his people and he knew and he had a burden. I've got to help them. There's a higher purpose for my life. There's a higher calling. I have the knowledge. I have the the connections. 
right? I have, the, I have the access to the riches. Maybe I can do something about it. And so every one of us know there's a purpose to our life. But what happens, because we all have a divine calling, what happens is we attempt this in an earthly effort. So Moses went out among the people. <clears throat> he had witnessed right, their abuse, the harshness the Egyptians had dealt with them. And he saw a couple, right, this, this Egyptian whip, whipping one of his brothers. And, and so he intervened because that was his passion. His passion was to help. His passion was to do the right thing. But you can't necessarily do the right thing in the wrong way and God have favor. And so, hey, Moses was just trying to do what God had prepared him to do. But the problem is, and the problem we all will face is that we all know that we're called to walk with the Lord. But when we do that in our own power, friend, it separates us farther. Because we get frustrated. And we're Can you just imagine? I mean, being Moses and, and, and all, everything is before him and he feels this desire to, just, just to help his people. And he does it and then he's punished for it. Have you ever done something and thought, man, this is the right thing? And then been punished for it? Though, well, that didn't work out real well for me. Well, I'd ask you to go back to that time and say, in what power? Under what leadership? Under what command? Under what authority did you act? So Moses went out and, and, and in essence, murdered an Egyptian to protect the Israelites. So let me interject again, something you'll hear me say a thousand times if the Lord tarries. God's will will never contradict God's Word. So, Moses finds himself in a little bit of a situation. And friend, any time, any time for us when we approach a divine calling and we approach it in the human response, number two, the human response, the outcome will never be what you desire or God intended. See, God calls us to walk in the Christian life, and you're going to see this played out in just a second. God calls us to follow Him, to seek Him. And every day I get up, right? How many of you have really good intentions every day? Every night? I mean, I've told Jeanette, I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. I want to be more patient, more kind, more giving. And so I make these lists of things. And we talked Wednesday night, the, one of the hardest things to do is have a consistent Bible study, right? Have y'all ever tried, with, as married couples, as individuals, said, hey, man, it's so hard to plan something, how many, and it's okay, I have one too, have a devotional app that you use to try to help you, I do. And it didn't, okay? I mean, it's still a discipline, it's still effort, so I started evaluating, just trying to apply, script. why is it so hard? Well, there's one effort when we say, you know what, this is the right thing. And so I just want to do the right thing. And we try to do it in our own power. I try to plan my day. I try to decide my heart. It's, it's the right thing and I want to do the right thing rather than I love Jesus and I want to spend time with Him. Do you understand the difference? 
And so Scripture tells us to walk in the Spirit. And so the more I pursue the Spirit, the more my heart aligns with the commands of His Word and His person, and those become my desires. Whereas, when I decide to be a better husband, gentlemen, anybody ever sit out here to be a better husband? I have. So I get up, and I'm going to be like, you know, and I told you all about my shopping I'm going to go shopping and be patient. I want to do what she wants to do, and I'm going to listen. Guys, have you all tried to listen? So I, I, I'm being honest. This, this may get me in trouble when I get home. That's all right. I don't feel good from crawfish anyway, right? <laughs> I'm already sick. She can poison the food this afternoon. I wouldn't know no better. Well, you know, guys, we say three words to get a point across, right? And so every, all the time, I'm like, Lord, I just want to be better. I want to listen to the whole story. Do you know how long the whole story can be, guys? So... What was it yesterday? She was going through the mail. Guys, I'm sorry. I'm imperfect. But, and she was like, what was it? She was like, do you won't believe this? And I was like, Jeanette, you, Eric, you won't believe this. She was, well, couple things happened. And so I thought she had forgot about the conversation. Because I mean, I'm, all, I'm already at least three seconds into this thing, right? <laughs> and I was like, mm. I was like, sweetie, can you just say it? And then I thought, oh my gosh, there it went. I determined all day. Because here's the truth. I don't have, didn't have anything else to do, right? But Lord, I want to be this good guy. So anytime when I try to be a better husband in and on my own power, I fail rather than Lord Jesus transform my heart by the power of the Holy Spirit so that I'm a man that's changed and redeemed, that I'm crucified with Christ, therefore my agenda no longer exists, that I have surrendered to your power and I have made it my, my life's goal to love Jesus Christ and pursue my wife as the love of my life as long as I'm walking this earth. Does that register a little different? Because it's hard to listen. I'm going to tell you another thing with the kiddos. Oh, just try. If you've been a dad, any of your dads in here ever had to apologize? Well, I'm going to encourage you. No parent is perfect. And if you never apologize to your kids and you made a mistake, you've been impatient, please do. They know you made a mistake and it's okay. Well, we went out catfishing. Again, this has nothing to do with Moses. And guys, when you're trying to teach your kids to do something, you just think they're going to learn, right? So we get down there, and we're like a mile from the house, and the battery runs dead in the boat. That may seem insignificant to you, but that's all we had. 
It was just an electric motor, and we're out there in the night. It's night. And there's, y'all know y'all have alligators? So I'm, we're shining the light around. There's eyes, and the motor's dead, and we're a mile from the house. And so I have a couple options. Here's how it ended. Boys! Get up there and paddle. I want your hands to bleed. If I ever get... St- anyway, I failed miserably. Point of the story. Listen, my best intentions, Moses' best intentions, did not honor the Lord. Don't go at Him with intentions. Go after Him with passion. Don't go after your spouse with intentions. Go after them with passion. And so Moses knew he was just trying to do the right thing. He did it the wrong way. And catch this. He got a trip to Midian. Do you know what Midian means? Judgment. And it also means halfway. Woo! That's pretty significant. Anytime. Right? Because Moses had the call He had the conviction, but in his arrogance, he did not need the Lord, so he only had half of it figured out. And that's how we walk through life. We go through life halfway. We do half of what we're supposed to. We've learned that we can look the part and not be in love with Jesus Christ. And do you know what that is? It's misery. Because all you've got in front of you is whether you succeeded or failed. And whatever is not of faith is sin. So Moses. Well, he's out in Midian and we're going to move a little bit quicker. He's in Midian halfway. And any time God calls you to do something... And you do not surrender to Him and do it according to His Word. Whether that's work, whether that's managing your money, whether that's marriage, whether that's parenting, guess what? You're going to get a little time in Midian. Now, none of us like time in Midian. None of us like periods of our life when there's no progress. None of us like setbacks, but catch this. None of us like setbacks, but we all do everything required for one. So that's a little confusing. But it's in those setbacks. I mean, look what happened to Moses. He got married. He had a child, a son. There's reason to believe he possibly other children. Scripture didn't get into the detail, but we know he had a son. He found a family there. He had a job. He was a shepherd. He had a stability in life. He had purpose and he had value. So Moses may have been in the middle and while Midian may have meant judgment, I don't know that it was all judgment, but he was in the middle of something. And friend, I think we're all in the middle of something. I think God has called us all to a higher purpose, a higher calling, and that's a relationship with Christ and an involvement, listen, in the direct fulfillment of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And friend, if you're not involved in sharing the gospel and bringing hope to a lost and dying world, you have not figured out why you were created. You're still chasing the Egyptians to save the Israelites rather than battling the depths of hell to redeem the lost. Does that make a difference? Moses could have delivered them from Egypt, but what would he have had? Followers. 
when God delivers, you get free men and free women. Well, so Moses went to the desert, and what we would call judgment, I don't think was judgment. I think it was just being in the middle. And you know whether you've been married a year, 50 years, we're in the middle of something very special. The opportunity to love someone, to share life with them, to raise a family, to have memories, challenges, joys. Man, just think. Now, there may have been days you felt like you were battling the Egyptians, but we're all in the middle. And so, Moses is in the desert. He's wandering around, right, shepherding. Now, as a shepherd, he would have had a staff. And we're going to get to the significance of that very soon. But he traded, right, the scepter of royalty for a shepherd's staff. And so, you know, as he's wandering around out there, he's thinking about the palace. He's thinking about everything he had. But those things, if you really consider them, had no significance. God's plan is what brought significance to Moses. Moses never would have been the king. Moses never would have been Pharaoh. He was an Israelite and everyone knew. You, you can't deny, right, the appearance, the, the, the skin shade. So Moses would have been thought, thinking, just like we do, about everything that we had. But there's no, nothing more valuable than what you have right now. And so Moses... I can just imagine him out there right atop a little hill watching over the shepherds and he sees his son running across, sees his wife gathering water, doing what wives did back then, I don't know. And he's thinking, huh, I got this pretty good. Have you ever just thought that? Have you ever just thought, man, I got things pretty good? I was out grilling the other night and Watching the kids flop around the yard, and they like playing in the dirt, and I love watching them play in the dirt. And I just thought, man, it just doesn't get much better than this. But then, God's called us to something bigger, and so Moses is out there, and then he sees the burning bush. Oh, what is that thing that's on fire? It's not consumed. Well, I was in a history of the Old Testament in the secular school, and what they said was going on with the bush is that there's a tamarisk beetle that's excrement is an oily substance that you can light and catch on fire and never allow the, the bush to burn. Well, whatever. Um, beetle poo or not, uh, the bush didn't burn. So Moses went to check it out, and in that time, in, in that in that place where he was still. He had forgotten the days of Egypt. He was living where he was, appreciating what he had. He had almost given up the idea of delivering the Israelites. He was just there in Midian. God calls him because he'd been preparing him the whole time. Man, life is a process, and the process is called sanctification in Scripture. And it's the process where God takes you 
from the moment you're saved to the moment you get to heaven. And every day, in every imaginable way, he shapes, he responds, he does control or superimpose things, he allows things to shape you to achieve that which he set out for you before the foundation of the world. Now, we get really frustrated when we find ourselves what feels like in the middle, when maybe, maybe we should spin the middle and enjoy wherever we're at right now, appreciating everything we've been given and investing ourselves in every possible way rather than looking for what can be achieved tomorrow. Man, one thing our culture has found is that we can put ourselves in so much debt to have everything we can imagine we want when all it is is ball and chain. Friend, live by the means God's called you and appreciate. Don't want anything that's not yours. Don't want anyone else's wife. Can I get an amen? Don't want anyone else's husband. Don't want anything that's inappropriate against God's standard. Don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. What Moses was enduring was a simplification process that he takes us all through. Now let's see what happens. we got to wrap this up. He goes before the Lord. Friend, in the middle of nowhere, which is Midian, it's time to look for the Lord. We've probably all tried to achieve in every possible way other than surrendering to the Lord. So you're in the middle. You're in the middle no matter how old you are, no matter what stage you are. You're in the middle of what God's called you to do. Because all you have is today. Whether that's marriage, whether that's kids, job. So you're right here in the middle. And, and so Moses goes to the Lord right, just out of, listen, curiosity. First, he said he saw and then he went to, and then God saw that he was coming to look at it and says, come on in, come here. But you stop right there. It's important to know where God is and come to the altar before him. That place where you surrender. You maintain respect, you maintain appreciation, you maintain worship. But friend, he came to the presence and God said, stop, right, take your sandals off. Because we're about to get real on some things. See, when God calls you, it's not time to play. I was listening this morning. Nowhere in Scripture does it say, ask Jesus into your heart and you'll be saved. That, we came up with that. What it says is surrender your life to Jesus Christ. That you're crucified. You no longer live. So this idea of modern Christianity developed by white fence Americans is that it is easy to believe, it is easy to serve, and it costs you nothing. Know what Moses was learning as he tried to do it his way? He got sent to the middle of nowhere to figure it out. 
And when he come to the Lord, that life-changing moment that empowered the rest of his life and the deliverance of the Israelites began when Moses took off his sandals in response to God's holiness. Friend, I don't, it doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter where the middle of nowhere is for you. It don't change till the sandals come off and you get real with God. It doesn't matter the mistakes you made. Moses killed somebody. It doesn't matter if there's been drugs, sex, alcohol. It doesn't matter what what back there holds. What matters is here you are, right in the middle of nowhere, you think. But you're called to the middle of nowhere, so you respond to the glory of his presence. And it changes when you get real. See, God's always been real. He's never misled you and He's never faked anything. That's not His M.O. Moses had faked being a deliverer by doing the the cheapest thing He could have done. You can't be the father. You can't be the husband. You can't be the soldier for Christ, men and women, until you come to the burning bush, you come to where God is. And a lot of folks say, well, Eric, God's everywhere. I, I, can, I can serve the Lord. I'm, I can worship the Lord from a boat, a deer stand. I'd like to say that too. Tell you what, folks, I'm going to take a few months off. I'm going to go fishing on Sunday, and I promise you I'll be worshiping the Lord out there in my boat, all right? How'd that go over? You say, well, preacher, you ought to be at church. Well, shouldn't you too? I mean, I'm just kind of trying to figure this thing out. So, friend, you go where God is. And God's called you to be faithful. Scripture says, do not forsake the assembly. I don't care where you go to church, friend. You ought to be in church. Thank you for being here this morning. But you go to where God is. And you stay there until the mission is clear. Listen, Moses went and it says God went with him. Moses came alone. But his mission, his purpose, listen to this, the power changed. What drove Moses changed. So here's what I want you to consider as we close. And I, if you're here for baptism this morning and you want to go ahead and get ready, go, go ahead, please. Mom, dad, man, woman, church member, every one of you. Like I said, it does not matter where you've been. You don't answer to anybody for that, but you will. Apart from God's forgiveness... Friend, but only one thing's going to change. Only one thing's going to change your life. You may feel like you're in the middle of nowhere, but you're there for a very specific reason. So I'm just going to ask, have you gotten real with the Lord? I know you thought about it. We all think about it. We all consider, you know what? I need to go to church more, which is not the answer in and of itself. You know what? I need to read the Bible more. Talked to someone the other day and they asked me, Eric, I want to get my life right with the Lord. What do I do? 
Friend, if you want to get your life right with the Lord, I'd recommend number one, do what His Word says. Do what His Word says to do, okay? Number two, you and your family need to be faithful in church. That's what God's Word says. Number next, friend, you can't rob from God. I'm sorry. And I ain't got nothing, I don't want your money. I don't know who gives what. But if you want God to favor you, I'm not talking about blessings financially. I just want to be faithful to Him because He's worth it. Have you gotten real with the Lord or are you still talking about it? You know, it wasn't the first time. It would not have been the first time Moses saw the bush because he was wondering about it. We see it, right? We know where God is, but we, we circle. We circle around and we contemplate, we negotiate because we know when we come and surrender, oh, it's going to have a cost. Moses had to leave everything he had come to know. Friend, getting real with the Lord, is, it's going to cost you something. Let me ask this, we close. How well is what you're doing really working for you? How well is how you're doing it really working? In marriage, in life, find every aspect. How well is what you're doing really working? I'm going to ask you all to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. go and prepare for baptism the altar's open brother Paul be here here's my question if the altar was the burning bush and it's not but if how many of us would need to come and get real that's my question that's my challenge sir and ma'am if you've never trusted Jesus Christ Scripture does say, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then it says that we leave never the same. When did your life change? When did your life change? The preceding message was presented by Bayou Vista Baptist Church in Morgan City, Louisiana. For more information about a relationship with Jesus Christ or about Bayou Vista, including contact info, go to the website www.bvbch.org. Thank you for listening, and may God bless you.